Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day with me, none other than Wozni Lombre, PYT contributor extraordinaire. Always fascinating to have him on the show. Top story of the day Donald Trump will have at least three people snitch on him, according to Michael Cohen, his former attorney. And also an update on the money. Yep, Donald Trump raising a record amount of money with the new Fulton County mugshot. Let's get into it. All right, let's put it up full mass. Now, you get arrested with all of these individuals, somebody is going to turn state. Oh, and by the way, the blackmail, well, his <laughs> bond was denied. All right, several high profile members of Trump's legal political team were also indicted in the case, including Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, John Eastman, Mark Meadows, Kenneth Chasbro, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Ellis, and others. So Cohen has now made another prediction. And I gotta say this, Cohen's predictions have been spot on. I will explain in just a moment. So Cohen has made a prediction. And according to Cohen, he predicts that prosecutors will go and get co-defendants such as Trump's ex-chief of staff, Meadows, Eastman, and or Giuliani to turn. Noting that those three could end up in a similar situation to himself. Cohen previously served prison time for charges of campaign finance violations, tax evasion, and lying to Congress. In connection to alleged hush money payments made by Trump's 2016 campaign. Now the irony of this, Cohen went to prison because of what Trump told him to do according to the narrative. They believed Cohen, they said, yeah, we believe you did the illegal thing that Donald Trump told you to do. So he goes to prison, Donald Trump does not. But it was actually Cohen who basically guaranteed us that Donald Trump would in fact be indicted in his future for those crimes, Manhattan DA, and others follow suit. There's more, several defendants are facing mounting bills. And this is the irony of it, all of them are broke, according to the report. Giuliani has no money, these individuals cannot pay their bills. So several defendants are facing mounting bills in the case as well, but Trump has not put the bill for these expenses. A move that has been perceived as risky, as it could alienate his co-defendants or lead them to cooperate with Fulton County prosecutors. Ellis, who worked as Trump's attorney around the 2020 election, questioned in a post to social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter, why Trump's team is not funding his co-defendants legal fees. So now you have the people who were down with Trump, questioning this move. Now, I know a lot of people would like to refer to Trump as being a mob boss and being a gangster. He is charged under the RICO Act, but a mob boss would have had everyone paid. Legal fees would have been paid or a hitman would have been after him, one or the other. Okay, I was, Reliably informed, 
Trump is not funding any of us who are indicted. Would this change if he becomes the nominee? Why then not now? I totally agree. This has become a bigger principle than just one man. So why isn't MAGA Inc funding everyone's defense? Checked earlier this month. Meanwhile, legal experts have speculated that Meadows may have someone who could flip on Trump, who is reportedly suspicious of his ex chief of staff. Anyway, let's put up his mugshot. He's been able to raise a bunch of money. Now, the pose obviously was something he practiced. He's been practicing this pose, according to my sources, for 20 years. He knew eventually he was probably going to go to jail. He got his wig combed just right. The tilt of his head. But you see that badge in the background? That badge says Sheriff Patrick Dam Labot, Fulton County. Donald Trump has turned his Georgia mugshot into a record breaking fundraising haul. The former president has raised $7.1 million since he was booked at an Atlanta jail Thursday evening. According Two figures provided. First, to political by his campaign. On Friday alone, Trump raised $4.18 million, making it the single highest 25 period of his campaign to date, according to a person familiar with the totals. Keep, put his mugshot back up. This is what I would like to suggest to the Fulton County Sheriff. There's a concurrent ruling in the circuit, the court. One ruling says that a sheriff's office does not have the authority to regulate how mugshots are utilized. There's another ruling that says because you all are constitutional authorities, you get to set the policy in this. I'm not telling you what to do, Sheriff. I'm just saying that if Donald Trump did not get proper permission to license his mugshot for commercial use, you may have a windfall and it will resolve all of your, let's just say, funding issues for the county jail. Just a recommendation for your team to look into. Wise thoughts. Man, I wanna return to that earlier point about Donald Trump not paying for the lawyer fees of his co-defendants. Every single mob boss or crime boss worth their salt understands that the price of these guys being on the front lines and being his minions, you know, actually making the calls, actually trying to do the enforcement, you know, in in another business, these might be corner boys or runners or you know the guys that come with the baseball bats to break legs when people don't pay up because they're actually in harm's way, you know, the the reward is that when you do eventually inevitably get knocked, that the boss who gets to sit in his nice mansion on his cushy couch while you're doing all of this legwork will pay for your lawyer fees. Donald Trump just being the cheapest, most corrupt of them all, of all the crime bosses has refused to pay these people's lawyer fees. And I think it'll ultimately be his undoing because they got a pretty strong case up there in Fulton County. The case in New York, like I keep saying, it's like, you know, he he used his his campaign money to to fund hush money of a of a sex worker, etc. That's a little bit vague. This is just um, a crime of a different category, right? And they have phone recordings. They have all of this stuff. It's looking pretty bad for him, Doctor Richie. Yeah, I mean, 
the man is going to get convicted. I was explaining to a friend of mine, he doesn't have to get convicted of all of them. If he gets convicted of one felony, he has an issue. And the issue is 100% of all Republican states, they do not allow you to be placed on the ballot if you are currently under a felony conviction and you have not successfully served your parole or probative sentence. Um, they would have to do some really miraculous maneuvering in order to eliminate the law that has been standing for decades in these conservative states in particular. All right, hell of a thing. Cop pulls up on a guy in Philly, shoots him, okay? Let's put up the picture. Philadelphia police officer, Mark Dial, who fatally shot Eddie Jose Irizarry sitting in his car, will be fired. Fired one day after security video was released showing the officer opening fire seconds after police pulled up next to the man's vehicle. I'm going to give you the background to this insanity. The killing was unjust, 100% unjust. This officer should be arrested, not just fired for multiple reasons. Officer Mark Dial, a five year veteran, was initially placed on restrictive duty after he just rolled up and killed somebody on August 14th. That somebody was named Eddie Jose Irizarry. Police Commissioner Danielle Outlaw said at a news conference Wednesday that Dial has now been suspended with the intention to be terminated after 30 days. She said the suspension was related to Dial's allegedly having refused to cooperate with investigation. Initially, Outlaw, the police commissioner, said the two officers were in a marked police vehicle when they saw Toyota Corolla driving erratically at about 12:28 p.m. August 14th. The officers followed the vehicle as it drove the wrong way down a single lane one-way street. She told reporters the information she was told. When the vehicle pulled into a parking lot, the officers got out of their vehicle. After stopping next to the car, one of the officers tried to open the passenger side door and told the other officer that the driver had a weapon. Irizarry turned toward the second officer by the driver's side door. And that officer discharged his firearm multiple times into the vehicle, fatally wounding the driver. That's what Outlaw said. Let me give you the real story. The ring camera video, which was played at a news conference on Tuesday, actually shows Irizarry haphazardly pulling into a parking spot, running over a cone. 
a police vehicle pulls up next to him. Two officers hop out, the video shows. The officers are heard repeatedly yelling, show me your hands, as they aim their weapons at his car. Then one of the officers fires multiple shots at the car in seconds. It was seconds, the man didn't have time to respond. This is in the video, an investigation now continues and Dial could actually face according to the department disciplinary charges is he if he is found to have violated department policy. That's what the commissioner said. On August 14th, it appears he committed the cardinal sin of driving erratically, which I don't care how you unpack this, a death sentence is not called for for erratic driving. He said Dow should be arrested and charged following the incident. The Citizens Police Oversight Commission also called for the termination of Dial. Um, and everyone should be singing in chorus, Dial should be arrested for the killing, Mr. Irizarry. Outlaw did not say how authorities obtained inaccurate information that Irizarry was outside of his vehicle. Well, that's easy. Uh, the reason, and, and let me let me do this. This is the part that makes individuals upset at the police. Where did you get the false narrative from? We're not going to comment on that. We, we will not submit that for the record, it's still under investigation. You got it from the lying ass police. Now, if you say that at a press conference, that means the officer should be more than terminated with 30 days still on a taxpayer dime. That means the officer violated oath of office, felony led to the murder of a man to cover up the murder of a man. Now you have evidence after the fact. Now you have another officer involved who has to be charged with failure to report as mandated. You see, they wanna give you a narrative and then leave out the parts that are actually criminal against the officers involved. And there's a whole dead human being, doesn't get bigger than that. Now they'll lie about a dead body, they'll lie about anything. Outlaw did not say how authorities obtained inaccurate information that the man was outside of his vehicle. The police department did not immediately respond to a request for comment Wednesday. Johnson accused the police department of initially having told the public a patent lie. He said, when you look at this video, I want you to ask yourself, Look at it critically and ask yourself how, based on what you will see, could the narrative have ever been, this was a police chase, end quote. No chase took place. It looked as if somebody had their mind made up when they pulled up to the scene. Let's do a background of these officers. What you are guaranteed to find, in particular of the one who pulled the trigger, is a background that went unresolved, allowing him to terrorize the local citizens. I say this to, um, to the people of that community. They're failing you when they failed Mr. Irizarry. 
He's not different from you. He's not separate from you. He is you. All right. Wise thoughts here. It's 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 kind of startling how all of these cases when new evidence gets presented always contradict the official reporting by the police themselves. Um, we don't need to speculate as to what the source is. After police make contact with an individual um, and they have to draw their weapon, they have to file a report. Um, and that report is taking taken at face value as the official accounting of what happened, you know, if there was no ring camera, if there wasn't, you know, some citizen wasn't able to capture it on their own camera, the official accounting of what happens is written by the officers who perpetuate the crimes themselves, right? Um, and that goes with everything. When 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 somebody goes has to go to court, and the police go and testify against them, we just take the word of the cops as gospel because they've been given this, you know, essentially almighty authority when it comes to adjudicating these things in in the courts, right? And so we know where this falsehood came from. It came from the cops themselves. And that this guy would just get out of his car and just start firing away is just nuts. And I feel for the people who live in the city of Philadelphia because Man, um, it, it it is in recent years a more and more violent place. Man, a lot of homicides, a lot of lot of lot of violent crimes are happening in Philadelphia, which is bad enough. Um, and then the police who are tasked with protecting citizens from such crimes are perpetuating the crimes themselves. It's just yep. awful situation all around. Well said. We'll bring you updates as they develop. All right, United Airlines paying $30 million because an employee laughs at a passenger who is disabled. And also an employee mishandles the same passenger creating more injury, 30 million. Put up the picture, United Airlines has made a settlement agreement to the family of a quadriplegic man who was injured while deplaning from a flight in Monroe to Louisiana. I'm gonna give you the background to this. The incident involved now 26 year old Nathaniel Foster Jr. A man who was using a wheelchair, ventilator, tracheal tube in February 2019. Reuters reported this, the family accused a supervisor assisting Foster of aggressively pushing while getting off the plane. This aggressive pushing resulted in his body jerking forward then back and eventually him whispering, I can't breathe. It prompted his mother to go get help. But she said an airline gate agent giggled and said, we got this. When a health professional offered a helping hand for the outlet. The family alleged that Foster had a cardiac arrest, leading him to suffer from major brain damage. His condition has tremendously worsened. According to CBS News, citing the lawsuit, the situation caused Foster 
to not be able to eat solid foods or speak and cut years from his life, 39 years to about 31.5. No money can get that back. When traveling, four to six staff members usually assist Foster in getting off the plane. But that day, only one person was originally there when they got to their destination. When booking the trip, Foster's mother said she disclosed the condition to the airline. That's pretty common, it's normative. A June press release posted by the family's attorney said, and I quote, based on the repeated assurances provided by United Airlines of its ability to provide safe transportation for her son, Mrs. Foster purchased her family's tickets. They added, arriving in Louisiana after a period of delay, agents were unprepared to handle the department the deplainment, excuse me, of Nathaniel Foster Jr. And he remains in a persistent vegetative state today. According to reports, the settlement was reached on Tuesday after one day of the trial. In a statement to Reuters, the airline said, quote, we are pleased to share that this matter has settled. Please, you say. Let me remind everyone of the stories that we have reported on of airlines mishandling those who need additional assistance. This is not the first time that United Airlines has been here. It's not the first time an airline period has been in this position. And we said on day one, if you do not get your protocols in place to understand that we are a diverse nation, you cannot talk about diversity without talking about true diversity. Some people need a little extra help and all the billions of dollars you make every year, you should be able to provide it with no problem. These individuals patronize your company. They're your customers, your consumer base, and they have allies, family members. And we said, if you don't get this right, talking to the airline industry, that this was going to happen. Now they got a $30 million bill. I guarantee you the CEO is paying attention now. But it took literally taking the quality of life away from a human being in order for them to now enact protocol, establish a remedy, establish a discipline, a professional discipline to make sure no one has to go through this again. You can't keep taking away the dignity of people and think that something good is going to happen. This young man was going on a trip and his family lost 10 years of him and His quality of life has gone to a vegetative state because you all made assurances that obviously you did not prepare to keep 30 million. Wise thoughts. You know, my my thoughts definitely go out to this young man and his family. This is obviously a tragedy. And the individuals involved on the United Airlines side obviously bear a a lot of responsibility and the mismanagement and the care for this young man um, while they were supposed to be providing it. However, um, I I would absolutely place most of the blame on those folks in the C-suites on the boards of these companies that have just stripped down and nickeled and dimed their way to making the experience of flying 
absolutely horrible. I can't think of another service industry that you can legitimately say 50 years ago was better. That's just incredible to consider that the experience of flying has gotten worse and worse and worse. And we know why they're shoveling more and more resources and money up to the top. These people have staffing issues, pilots going on strike because of pay pay inequities, all kinds of stuff. All while the people on the boards, the executives make more and more money. And again, they make this shortfall by nickel and diamond the entire experience. And so, you know, um, somebody as vulnerable as this young man, a passenger that vulnerable who needs this much assistance, you would hope that a billion dollar company could provide it. It's not like it's every single passenger needs this. We can we can deploy the resources um, to make sure this guy gets taken care of, and that didn't happen. And I and I blame it solely on the greed of these executives yep. um, and how they have just just stripped down the experience of flying, understaffing it, under training it. It's awful from, from and, it, and it starts at the top, of course. That's right, very well said. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back, a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. All right, very interesting. Yep, RJL Network says Trump said never surrender, but yeah, he surrendered. I know, and he and think about irony. He utilized his photo of him surrendering, mugshot, and said never surrender. And his people thought that was just a really great thing to do. It's fascinating. All right, um, Librio, Librio. This happened not too far from my home, from my neighborhood. Damn sad. We need less trigger happy police talking about the Philly man. Uh, and we need less, you know, police who are, you know, murderers. Uh, that would be helpful too. Chichi Massey, member for 14 months, thank you so much. All right. Trump's new nickname is Rico Sloppy. All right, Chichi Massey. I didn't say that. Chichi Massey said that. <laughs> okay. Right, let me go to Twitch. Um, that's right. Iske, uh, Iske underscore zero nine just fired. Question mark. He needs to be charged. Agreed. Uh, Neon Death 07. Uh, people do not realize they are seconds from disability at any point in this life. I learned that lesson at work. There you go. That is right. All right. Got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Don't, you weren't. Don't right. Get out of my face. I didn't come to your I'm face. I'm going to call a cop. You's not Why? How are you going to call the cops? Call the cops. You're leaning in my car. You hit us. What? what do you mean, prove it? There was a lady that walked past. You I tapped you. Your witness. Oh my God. I did not hit you in the face. We, you hit we watched you. you. Are you serious? Do it again. No. Look, you ran oh in my, my car. God. I'm asking you to apologize and say, I'm sorry I hit I your car. I already said that twice. <laughs> and now you're screaming at me. You're freaking oh out. Let's go get a tan. You hit our car. Oh 
You weren't going to stop. You got out of the car mad at us that you hit us. You were mad at us that you hit us. Then you hit him. You jumped out of the car and yelled at me. And I said, hey, you just hit our car. Because you were hitting You got yourself quite a watchdog there, don't you? What? Are you serious? I tapped it. It doesn't matter. You can't hit people in parking lots. I stopped. Why are you? You know what? I stopped, bitch. Oh. Don't call. Why is she a bit? Well, because you she hit us. You, why can't you just say, oh, it doesn't look like any damage? What is are it? you kidding me? Just say, what am I doing car. right now? I wasn't look. going to stop. What's what? your name? What's your name? My name is Molly. Molly? What's your when, name? When you <laughs> run into when oh you run into somebody, you, this, you hit a car. You, you say, "Hey, say, oh, I bumped him." Hey, Kevin, I'm sorry, I ran into your car here. Like, I did. I got out and said, "I'm sorry." First thing, I right. just bumped your car. Yes. Yeah. But all I need is an apology. There's no serious damage. It's you. Nice. You cannot it's get it. I got out of the car. I was nice. You know what? To hit me. You need to go yourself. You're, you need what? to lay him more often. What? what? I actually have more video. I had to just pause it. I mean, damn. I mean, this Karen, this didn't run so deep. This OG Karen has me almost speechless. Uh, every Karenicity note, this woman hit lawless. She hits more. Here it is. You need what? to lay him more often. What? 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 Yeah, you need to. He needs to get laid way more often than he's getting. <laughs> you heard me? Oh, all you did was run into my car. Judy, you can't. And then you hit oh him. Come on, Molly. Go away. Go away. What? You hit my car. <laughs> what? Is there oh, you know what? We there's don't. No I don't. Serious there's damage. no damage. It's, it's the getting out of the car yeah, and you being you mad that you hit us. We're not in her face. I'm not in her face. You're this place. We're within her rights. I'm not mad at her. She's the one that's being normal. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, you're should, good. Should I look at it? No, you're good. It's you're not good. a serious deal. You're good. Like, look, you it wouldn't be a serious car. deal if she didn't get out pissed off sorry, and then hit and him. I looked and it was no damage. Your sorry was like, not you. I did not do that because that's not me. That's not normally me. Okay. You're bringing this out of me. Oh, You don't want to with me. You don't want to f this Italian old lady. I don't. Oh I, I see this. Don't worry. Leave me alone. You're, you're the, the one car. being a crazy person. Look, it's not a serious deal. It's not a big deal. Your dog is you're making it into one. Oh, I know. Oh, it's, it's fine. She's a corgi. She's a corgi. All right. Well, bye, bye, Judy. <laughs> Have a good one, Judy. Did you all see like the dog at the end? He was just chilling. I mean, that is a well-behaved young dog. I mean, it's a lot of caronicity happening. Okay, obviously, this is one of the more extreme Karen moments we have aired here on Indisputable. And that's saying something. Um, I am going to go ahead and qualify this one. Um, top three, I know it's early in the year. Uh, but this is probably going to be in the top three of most extreme Karens for 2023. You got to look at the progression here because normally OG Karens at a point when police are threatened, 
will start to transform the narrative, try to get out of it, maybe even utilize the methodology of apology. I am so sorry, I'm just having a bad day. Well, this one said she's going to call the police. She totally flipped the script before they could even utter the words. And all of a sudden, they are on the defensive. And they the ones that got hit, it's an amazing Jedi mind trick that you just saw here, literally. And then Judy gets out the car. She did not look as if she's a Karen. Now I gotta say this looks can be deceiving. But she seemed as the other person said, quite normal. Like why is it such a big deal? But then I go back to my understanding of psychology. You resonate those that you resonate with, that's all I gotta say. All right, Wisely thoughts here. Just the just the four major transgressions that happened during <laughs> this interaction. One, she smacked the guy's cap. That yes. that that's that's a fight, right? Like straight well, up. Obviously, she's an old she's an older woman, and so he had to relax. But normally, that's a fight. Just that act alone. Call the guy's woman a watchdog, which was clearly, you know, euphemistic until she just came out and called her a B. Yes. Um, and, and and then, you know, <laughs> saying that their sex lives were lacking, that was that was the cherry on top. <laughs> um, let me let me say this. Karen's do not uh, come to themselves. Uh, you can't threaten. <laughs> A Karen with your feelings of hurt because they did not apologize. Sir, you got everything you need. She hit your car, she hit you. Uh, she was trying to leave. Uh, call 911. That's the only way that you're gonna teach Karen's how to treat you out here in this world. All right. Got something for you. Double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're gonna feel free. You're not you when you're hungry. Put up the picture. And what's happening here? She's telling you what's happening. Uh, the grip of white supremacy is loosening. That's that's why she talks about Donald Trump. Okay. She's utilizing 
racial tropes when it did not seem that race was part of the issue, but she brought it to the equation. Um, and uh, she, according to her, has not had her hair done in five years. Well, madam, we see that, okay? We see that. The Karen who was identified online as Diane Snow put on a show outside of the post office in the Kirkwood suburb of St. Louis. It's unclear why she was so upset, but she felt the way to deal with it was by being racist. She, so this happened to me earlier this week on my job. The poster says, so many emotions ran through me watching this over entitled, unstable, disrespectful, Trump loving piece of trash that stood before me. I wanted to hashtag Medea her ass straight into next year and watch her beg me for forgiveness once she got there. Luckily for her, I was on my job. And words don't hurt me, especially coming from a hashtag caring. Well done. Well done. All right. Um, Waz, thoughts here. That white identity, man, um, it, it, it's something when uh, you make that sort of your entire personality, uh, just this idea that you are um, white, which is a fictional social construction in the first place. Um, it just obviously drives people mad and insane. And, you know, just the invocation of Trump and, and Obama that way right. um, shows you that a lot of people's. Um, Fandom of Donald Trump is that he feels like a direct rebuke of the first black president of the United States of America. Um, and so to, to see her directly invoke those two names there where they just didn't apply. Uh, right. No, you could not text Donald Trump uh, that video. And no, <laughs> Barack Obama ain't suing on behalf of no postal worker from his mansion in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, it's 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 quite strange that she would do that, but it's not surprising at the same time. Yeah, and I've seen people do this before where they use Trump as their proxy to be racist because they don't want to be uh, called racist, but it, it ends up coming out anyway. So when they use Trump as the proxy, they're almost there directly, all right? We got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, a lot of show left. Let me make an announcement before getting into these amazing comments. Thank you all for joining the show. Um, membership, all right, TYT membership. We want you to become a member. Uh, it amplifies the progressive message. It's our point across in a more profound way. With the support of our audience, we've been able to make positive change happen. We recently crossed 25 billion views because of you. We're here to serve you by continuously reporting the facts, covering stories that you care about. Membership starts at $4.99 a month. Support and sign up, tyt.com forward slash join. Let's make this happen together. Okay, a lot of comments, we'll read as many as I can. Mo Fury says, as dumb as this lady seems, you can see the thought in her eyes right after she said, Obama can sue him, <laughs> right? 
that look in her eyes said, oh, ish, that don't make sense. Just ride with it though. Get loud and better make it righter. <laughs> End quote. All right, uh, Brett Campbell, AKA dragging my ass. Damn, this country is going completely bonkers crazy. That's the thing, sir. We've been there. We just now have smartphones. All right, you two, cigar head. It's your fault I'm a Karen. <laughs> now I've heard it all. She did basically say, like, you bringing this out of me. My, it's, it's your fault I'm this way. Chi Chi Massey, 14 months. All right, I read that one. Thank you, Chi Chi. And we got. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I don't know about that. You may be right, though. Uh, late underscore bloomer 66. They all Karens except the dog, LOL. I mean, the care did hit him, so you know. All right, we have an exclusive, a whistleblower, probation manager of a corrections facility has contacted Indisputable because of, according to him, extreme mistreatment. Let's put up the picture of this family man full mask. A probation manager of a corrections facility has come forward to expose improper treatment of trainees at the facility. Joseph Beeman, a parole, parole probation manager at the Michigan Department of Corrections Special Alternative Program, has come to Indisputable to report improper treatment of trainees by the staff. Mr. Beeman has been in this industry for 20 years in various positions and knows the policies and procedures that must be followed. As required by policy, Mr. Beeman reported what he called, quote, inhumane treatment, end quote, of individuals to his superiors. His complaint, let's put it up, states examples such as Corporal Retz Davis, are you a R word? Sergeant Stata Purdue attempted to create a false narrative and calling him a piece of ish trainee. UNK paint hearing impaired called the R word by SAI staff. Now this is all in the complaint. Now this is an official complaint, okay? One of the multiple times Mr. Beeman brought forward his concerns, he claims another sergeant told him to watch his step. To which the acting deputy warden at the time, Warden Drabeck, had no response. No corrective action has taken, uh, was taken for these concerns. But Beeman himself had an investigation open against him for investigating the behavior and reporting it, and was even put on a short leave. In response, Beeman stated, quote, I reject the department's actions to punish staff that are reporting policy violations while working in a hostile environment. This is the kind of threatening behavior that deters staff from reporting. Well, that's the idea, sir. Every investigation that was filed against me were the result of an RFI that I submitted against staff that were directly violating individuals' civil liberties. So what do you have here? According to the narrative, you have Mr. Beeman. He's inside of the industry, 
is inside of corrections. There's a policy. The policy says, if you see inhumane treatment, if you see treatment unbecoming, your job is to be honorable, file a report. So he does it. What happens? According to Mr. Beeman, he gets investigated after filing the report, after blowing the whistle on individuals who are adverse to what he calls the policy and protocols that are established. We've talked about this on Indisputable multiple times. Culture eats policy alive every day of the week. If you have infractions, but no enforcement, you have nothing. Because infractions are only as strong as the enforcement mechanism behind them. There's more. Um, the concerns of this behavior were brought before, at the time, Deputy Warden Drabeck, who has since been promoted to assistant deputy warden at a different facility, and to the at the time, uh, assistant deputy warden uh, Warden Leslie who has since been promoted to acting deputy warden. They were also brought to the attention of the warden of the facility, Michelle Floyd, according to Mr. Beeman, as well as to the director of the Department of Corrections, Heidi Washington, who according to Mr. Beeman, promised to address the derogatory and demeaning language. Mr. Beeman even reached out to the Michigan Legislative Council, ombudsman, and no action was taken, according to Mr. Beeman. So, Indisputable reached out to the Michigan Department of Corrections for comment, to which they responded that their investigation concluded the behavior just did not happen. Quote, every Michigan Department of Corrections employee agrees to abide by a set of work rules that help ensure the safe, professional, and humane operation of our facilities. Work rule number one is, quote, humane treatment of individuals, which prohibits anything meant to degrade, humiliate, or intimidate any individual, including those that are incarcerated. Staff have an obligation to report any violation of this rule and any reported violation that would subsequently be investigated. So um, this is a spokesperson. This uh, spokesperson, Kyle Kaminsky, decides to provide um, a rereading of the policy, which isn't in question. We know what the policy states. He says he filed based on the policy. There's more. The department does not, excuse me, the department does have a record of staff alleging violations of work rule number one at the special alternative incarceration program at the Cooper Street Correctional Facility during the period you have referenced. The department also has a record of those allegations being documented, assigned for investigation, and investigations taking place as is required by policy. As the department takes every potential violation of our work rules seriously. It goes on to say, use of derogatory language, including words such as the R word, is not acceptable within the MDOC. 
including at the special alternative incarceration program. A complaint was filed about the potential use of this word toward a trainee in the program in 2022. This complaint was fully investigated, including interviewing the subject of the complaint, the alleged victim, as well as witnesses. In that case, both the subject and victim stated the comment had not been made. That investigation was ultimately closed with a finding of insufficient evidence that a work rule violation had occurred. Um, so we reached out to everyone, including Keith Barber, about the lack of response to Mr. Beeman, who was yet to respond. Um, and obviously, the allegation is there was pressure on the individuals to change story and not comply with the actual investigation truthfully. We're going to follow up on this, and here's why. Anytime you have an element of strength that says, I'm willing to stand up to the system that I'm working in, and I'm willing to follow the protocols, even though it's adverse to the culture. I've been here 20 years, I've been in the industry 20 years, I know exactly where I'm at. But I'm that guy, right? I'm going to file complaints when I see them. Well, you're met with resistance. Because typically, there's a lot more underneath the hood. All right, Watson, thoughts here. Yeah, we definitely got to big up to that whistleblower because oftentimes in in these environments, these law enforcement or even law enforcement adjacent as the Department of Corrections typically are, uh, the the intimidation is real. Uh, the 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 fellow officers will be like, I won't have your back. In these adverse situations, if you might find yourself in a pickle with these, you know, quote unquote criminals, right? Um, and so I, I understand why people um, are hesitant to uh, to come forward in these cases. That's why you see cops not want to do it. And again, even in the Department of Corrections, you won't see very many whistleblowers. And you know, to me, the the, the crux of this is like this guy is going to say that he was doing this because he's trying to toughen up his trainees. Uh, you know. It's a harsh environment when you're dealing with convicted um, felons, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and the thing is, it's just not true. Um, I happen to be close friends with somebody who used to work on Rikers Island, a place that they've been trying to shut down in New York City for years now because of how screwed up the environment is over there. And he told me, he was like, the best way to deal with these folks is to literally deal with them as if they are human beings. Um, yep. <laughs> like, it, yep, that's that's right. it, people skills, treating people like people. Um, and that's gonna keep the house as safe as possible. It's not puffing your chest out, it's not being the toughest guy in the room. Oftentimes violent things do happen. And yeah, you have to deal with the violence when it happens. But the overwhelming majority of the time, you're just dealing with people. Um, and, and I think uh, those corrections officers would be better served being trained by somebody who told them and taught them that dealing with these individuals on a human level would um, best serve everybody involved. I wish that was actually happening. Yeah, and you're so correct on that notion. You get the respect you give in all environments, all environments. A retired police officer decides to shoot his wife in the face, killed three, injured six, put up his picture full mass. John Snowlink, a former cop. Killed three at a California baker, excuse me, biker bar, tried to kill his estranged wife. 
This retired cop is an ex-sergeant, which meant he had command. This is a supervisor, former supervisor in policing with the Ventura County Police. He opened fire at a Cook's Corner on Orange County, in Orange County late Wednesday. Then murdered three, injured six people before he himself was shot dead by the police, according to the Daily Mail UK. Eyewitnesses said the ex-sergeant who was first identified by KTLA. That's an important note because when this initially happened, they would not give us any information about this person at all, okay? So he was identified by KTLA, good work on their part. Had gone to the bar to confront his wife, Mary, and shot her in the face. Miraculously, she did survive. Mary had been visiting the popular watering hole for her uh, for their spaghetti night when she was shot in the lower jaw. William Mosby, Mary's father, identified John and said that the pair had gone through a bitter divorce, describing him as, and I quote, crazy, end quote. He has not officially been identified. The pair had been living in the Camarillo area prior to the bitter split, where the officer, the ex-sergeant Snowling, was a former cop, quote, He was a crazy husband who couldn't deal with divorce, Mosby told the Orange County Register. Let me give you more background on the shooting. Now, before I do that, I wanna remind everybody, this is an ex-police officer who was able to succeed in the industry of policing. He became a sergeant, which means he has rank. We call that three stripes. He got rank, he has supervision, he has command. According to the Orange County Sheriff's Office, authorities first received calls to 911 at 7.04 p.m. and arrived at the bar two minutes later. Deputies then engaged with the gunman at 7.08 p.m. when he was fatally shot, according to a witness. The gunfire started in the picnic area. Initially, victims heard about five or six gunshots before a brief pause. Shortly after, the shooting continued with an increased volley of fire. A witness said he barricaded himself in the kitchen, along with a man described as a cook who had been shot in the arm. The two armed themselves with a frying pan and waited until it was safe to come out. The man also told CBS LA reporter Michelle Guile a story about a woman he had spoken to who encountered the gunman saying, quote, please don't shoot me, I'm five months pregnant. The gunman allegedly told her, get out of here. And she was able to safely leave. Put it up. Of the six people hospitalized, at least five had gunshot wounds, according to Providence Mission Hospital. Doctors were treating two people in critical condition, for others, stable condition. A sad tragedy, a very sad tragedy, Um, something that doesn't make sense. Nobody can understand why would you go to a bar and just start shooting and killing people? That question may never be fully answered. His why does not have any level of justification to it, and he's dead. 
Now he went there to kill his wife, his ex after the divorce, but decided to take some people with him. Now, this is the elephant in the room that most in law enforcement refuse to talk about. The father said the man has been off his rocker in this way. He doesn't have the ability to deal with life. He could not deal with life on the terms of life. Why is it that he succeeded in the industry of policing? Did he succeed in policing because he was able to separate this kind of extremism inside of him? Or is it because he was able to bring that extremism to his job? Is the thing that made him dysfunctional in the relationship with his wife, the very thing that made him a superstar in policing? The man became a sergeant. This is why we advocate for psychological examinations more than one time. Every six months, every one year, not just for the sake of the public. The public has a big part of that, the majority part, but also for the sake of the officer. The officer you hire on day one, when you administer the psychological evaluation as they come out of boot camp and basic training, that officer is not the same officer on day 365. This is how it works. Without them being able to have some avenue of objective psychological evaluation and not the BS they provide currently. You don't know how a person is transforming over time because they have training, yes, but then they also have a culture. And that culture of policing is typically adversarial to the training they receive. So once again, this should renew an advocacy not only by community, but also by law enforcement to implement Psychological evaluations mandated every six months, every one year for every cop in the United States of America. People can do this. Remember when cops said no to body cameras? It was because of you. Police departments have body cameras, not because of the police. This is another progression that is required. Jackson, thoughts? I think, um, you know, especially from the perspective of protecting the officers, this makes a lot of sense. When something like this goes down, there's no way that anybody, even if you're, you know, uh, the uh, thin blue line to the fullest, to the extreme, there's no way you could look at this and think that nothing needs to be done. One, he just fits uh, into the, you know, the common occurrence of people running up in some type of establishment and shooting things up, committing public suicide practically. But then also he was an officer and he did this to his, his ex. He did this to people who didn't deserve it. So not only would uh, more psychological evaluations be able to protect officers um, you know, from themselves potentially, but also would provide a lot of data that's needed for us to even know what changes need to be made. You know, what types of things happen to these officers over time, depending on what type of situations they go through, um, just the stresses of the job maybe. And one of the things that you do hear a lot of police officers talk about is that the job is stressful. I mean, work is stressful. There's stress that comes with any type of profession, but especially one like this. So I think that more uh, psychological evaluations will provide us with a lot of data that we may not necessarily have a lot of right now. Uh, to help us make the changes necessary. That's a great point. Um, everyone is a combination of three E's, experiences, exposures, and environments. If you see that somebody 
starting to veer off of a psychological course, then you can be intentional about the three E's they need to get back in line without any type of measure in psychology for them or the psychological aspect of their perspective, you have no opportunity to course correct. All right, what if I told you a coach in the middle of a game, high school game, walks up to a player, punches them in the stomach in front of everybody. Yes, he does get arrested in the middle of the game. Let's put up the picture for a mask. That's exactly what I saw in Atlanta, Georgia at the Benjamin E. Mays High School. A coach for Benjamin E. Mays High School is being accused of punching one of his players during a game on Sunday afternoon. This was a crowded game. The incident happened during the first quarter of the school's game against Douglas County High School at the Eddie S. Henderson Stadium in Midtown Atlanta. The Mays coach was seen screaming at the player on the sidelines before he appeared to punch the high schooler in the stomach. The player can be seen after the strike, stumbling backwards and then doubling over, holding himself in pain. The coach continued to yell at the player as the high schooler tried to recover from the sneak attack. Now that coach has been arrested for the incident and removed from his coaching duties, according to the school district. An Atlanta public school spokesperson said this was a lay coach. I'm going to explain that in just a moment. They're trying to minimize the coach's connection. This was a lay coach who physically assaulted a player. The coach was removed from the sidelines by an APS police officer and taken into custody. Now you would think, all right, a lay coach, that sounds like, I don't know, a volunteer coach, maybe a parent coach. No, a lay coach is someone who does work directly for the school system. They simply do not teach in the classroom, that's all that means. So they utilize this terminology, got a lot of people thinking, well, this wasn't even a real coach. The hell he wasn't, he was an absolute real coach. You think the not real coach goes up and punches a high school student in the stomach? And no one says anything, no, that's the coach, okay? There's more. Uh, Spokesman Seth Coleman, uh, and Seth is a good guy, I know Seth, said in a statement sent to Atlanta News First, quote, um, a lay coach from Mays High School who is not a classroom instructor is now in police custody after an incident that occurred on the sideline during the school's game this afternoon against Douglas County High School. The lay coach will be charged with simple battery and face administrative charges from the district. Coleman also told Atlanta News First that the person does not hold a teaching certificate. They are required to complete the Georgia High School Association training program. The safety and well-being of all APS students remains a high priority for the district. And all APS employees are held to the highest standard of conduct and professionalism. The statement continued. Let's put up the picture again of the scene in which he's assaulting a student. Now. For a coach to be comfortable enough in the middle of a game to do this in front of everybody. And one, the high schooler is not shocked. I mean, he doesn't have, this is not a natural response. If you go up and randomly punch a high school student in the stomach, and this is not normative action 
from that person. That's a totally different response. The players did not have an immediate response. The only people that had a response, obviously the individuals who saw it for the first time. They said, well, hey, that coach just assaulted a kid. Now one needs to be called, and that's what happened. Um, there needs to be an exhaustive investigation, Mr. Coleman, into this coach. And if there are other victims of his abuse. Now I know some of you would say, "Oh, Doc, lighten up. The coach is trying to teach them to be um, tough. You know why the coach punched him? Because the coach is weak. Who punches a child in the stomach because of a damn game? Not only are you teaching them an adverse lesson, you are showing them what false strength looks like. That man is not strong. That man is a feckless leader in my opinion and got exactly what he deserved. A ride to the jailhouse, public ridicule, and fired. All right, why is the thoughts? Yeah, I'd like to see that gentleman absolutely learn from this um, horrible event that he caused. But what I would say to the to the viewers, um, if there happen to be any high school uh, football players or athletes out there, or you might have a son or or niece or nephew, um, first of all. No physical or verbal abuse should ever be tolerated for any reason. I think sometimes athletes think they need to go to a certain school, play for a certain coach to make sure their future, if they're taking the sport very seriously, is secure. And so they're willing to tolerate a certain level of uncomfortability that can verge on abuse or outright physical abuse in this case. What I would say to everybody is that if you are talented, they will find you. Wherever you are, so there's no reason to go to any particular school or play for any particular coach. If you have the goods, these people in colleges and pros or wherever, they will find you no matter what. So there's absolutely never any reason to deal with this type of nonsense, man. Yeah. And again, and I'm not gonna do the get off my lawn type of thing where it's like, oh, you should go somewhere where everybody's kissing your ass. I'm not saying that people should throw rose petals at your feet. Yes, you should want to be challenged. But at no point should you be subject yourself to physical or verbal abuse of any kind from a coach. And any real coach who has any real talent, human empathy and understanding would know not to cross those boundaries. And so that's what I would say about that. That's right, very well said. And I will offer this also, social media has become a great equalizer to expose good talent. Utilize it, all right, to your advantage. We got more. On the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, a lot of show left. An exclusive, a neighbor utilizes racial slurs after running into the yard with a vehicle of the people he's using racial slurs against. It's amazing, here's a video. I'll have another tow company come and I'm gonna charge you. No. Don't. Yeah, she's recording. I don't care. You're gonna get a disorderly 
should have arrested him. Let me give you the background to this story. Put up the picture of the couple who lives at the home, okay? A black woman in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, had her property damaged, had to endure racial slurs after the neighbor damaged her property. He was basically saying they're just in words, as if that means he can just destroy their property, but he chooses. Rhonda Ronsman, a professional public speaker and executive administrative coordinator, told us that she'd been having regular issues with her neighbor. His name is Mr. Joseph Wise. The situation peaked when a car on his property drove through her fence. And he screamed racial slurs at her. You're looking at the damage. Look at that. It goes to her property, damages her property, and he screams racial slurs at her. There's more. The police arrived, they gave Mr. Wise a disorderly conduct violation for his language arrested him and issued a resisting citation for resisting the arrest. Good for them. Mrs. Rosman was granted a four year restraining order against Mr. Wise. Good for the judge. And since then, she claims he has still harassed the family, okay? Now I'm about to show you a video provided to Indisputable Multiple times in front of her home, he does this. Here it is. And what is that about? Mrs. Rosman told Indisputable, quote, last year, a man by the name of Joseph Wise moved in with his family. He began driving on our property and causing damage to our landscape and our backyard. We decided to build a fence. He was threatening to other neighbors to knock down the N-words fence. I should also mention he had a Confederate flag as a license plate. And he has one tattooed on his body. On July 30th, 2022, he followed through on his threat and drove a vehicle vehicle into our fence and crashed into our home. I obtained a four year restraining order against him in October 
of last year. But he continues to terrorize both me and my husband. So we reached out to Mr. Joseph Wise for comment, reached out to him, who told us it was an accident. It was unintentional, he said, and that he was seeking or had obtained a restraining order against Mrs. Rosman. Well, we said, listen, if you provide us proof of that, we were provided to the viewers. He never provided proof after we reached out again multiple times. So let me tell you something, Mr. Wise, I think you're a liar. I think you're a liar. I believe you're racist. I think you're a piece of scum, okay? I think you should leave these people alone. I think you're gonna end up in prison, sir, if you continue this tactic. Now, you may have been taught by your parents that this is proper action in order to get rid of someone in the community, make them move away from you. Um, sir, it's 2023, ain't nobody going anywhere. But you, all right, wise and thoughts. Yeah, my heart goes out to this family, of course. Um, I'm, I'm proud of them for standing their ground. I think in past times, they probably would have been compelled to move, you know, um, and, and leave their neighborhood, their home that, that they wanted to be in because of this level of harassment. I just would hope that they sue the pants off of this fool. Um, and he's reprimanded in such a way that he he thinks better at doing this kind of thing going forward. But this is scary, scary stuff, man. I know I could easily see this kind of thing escalating into actual violence, you know, um, and which nobody wants to see. But yeah, I would I, I hope they take this guy to court and 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 teach him a lesson. Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America. We tell the truth on Indisputable because the truth is indisputable. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.